And we welcome you into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game, as we are broadcasting live this morning from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena, the season opener, the home opener, as the puck drops on the Preds 2019-2020 season. Boys, happy Thursday, happy opening day. Guaranteeing victory for the Nashville Predators tonight. Guaranteeing it. Automatic W. Guaranteed victory. Going to the Stanley. Uh. <laughs> Morning, D. How you doing, man? Uh, Good to be back with you. <laughs> damn that. Well, you don't think I'm being serious, D? No, no, no. I don't think serious. <laughs> he had nothing to say to that one. Prediction time, huh? Yeah, I mean, predict. Five, the Preds go 82-0. and 0. <laughs> Pecorine wins every award. Yossi wins every award. The whole team win awards. I think Yossi's going to win, you know, best forward, best goaltender, yeah. best, you know, coach of the year probably. Like, he'll probably win all of them. It's going to be. They're going to go 89% on the power play. I'm, I'm convinced they'll set a new record. It'll be a new record. <laughs> it's going to be a Predapalooza tonight. <laughs> all right, here's what we have <laughs> Wait, coming that, up. That, that wasn't our content? This yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know what to say to all that. <laughs> but anyway. We can't, that can't hold the, sh- the, whole, the whole show for four hours? You what he just said, and I just said. <laughs> I, I have a point total for the season. <laughs> oh, you do? I do. do. I do. Uh, well, I, will, I, I know we're not in the prediction business anymore, but I will have a pseudo prediction. Okay. Today. Sounds good. So here's what we got coming up on the show today is we're live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. What you're going to want to do, if you want to come on out to the, uh, the home opener tonight and register to win a pair of tickets, all you simply have to do is come by Pete and Terry's Tavern and register to win a pair of tickets for tonight's game. So you stop on out, see us between now and probably about 9.30 or so. We're going to draw and announce the winner uh, at 9.45 this morning, and you can pick up those tickets at Will Call tonight. We also have a free breakfast starting at 7 o'clock today. Heck yeah. Uh, Coffee and donuts. And then there will be a handful of other specials throughout the day for Darren and Willie and Chase, Jared and Floyd, and they'll also be giving tickets away as well. So last night, NHL season got underway. Uh, the Capitals defeated the Blues in overtime, three to two. Are the Blues going to win a game this year? You think they're in trouble? They won't start playing until January. Well, that's about right. And then they'll flip the switch and win the whole thing. That's about right. Uh, Vegas defeated San Jose, but I'm curious to know from you guys. Like, I am not a guy who falls in love with the nostalgia of sports on opening day. Like, I am the anti-baseball purist. I think game one of 162 is exactly what it is. Like, I don't fall in love with just, oh, it's opening day. Same thing with basketball. Same thing with hockey. I get a little excited for football. That being said, today is different for me because of one man, because of two names, Matt Duchesne. Like, that, that was the guy that we wanted, every Predators fan wanted. David Poyle has pursued him for years to me, as a guy who doesn't fall in love with opening days, today feels a ton different because of that man. Um, I, I, I totally agree with your basic point. I think people have been waiting for almost literally years to see number 95 out on the ice and see Matt Duchesne play. So um, I, I, think it's, I, I think it's absolutely uh, – there's a different vibe with that particular player. I would have said the same thing about P.K. Subban, though, when they acquired P.K. Subban and Shea Weber was gone – the opening night when P.K. Subban came into town, 
you know, I think he scored a goal on his opening night, and he did his signature maneuver, and, and then the place goes absolutely bonkers, and you know, they go on to go to the Stanley Cup that year, right? So I think that he's the most anticipated debut for this team in, in quite some time. Um, I will ask, though, I'm, so you don't even, like, not even as a kid, you weren't kind of like, oh, like opening day. doesn't get you excited. That, like, you, I mean, you're a base. You, you, you know, Derek, I know you're not a baseball fan, but, like, you're a baseball mm-hmm. fan. Nick, you never. I grew up a baseball guy, but you I didn't I just enjoy never... opening day for the sake, not, not for the sake of, like, overreacting to good no. and bad, but just like, hey, celebrating that it's back again was never a thing for no. you? No, nope. Too really? co- it was too cold. It was, you know, March 31st, <laughs> April 1st. It's 48 degrees. I'm like, you know, let me know when the weather warms up. I, you know, I'll say this. Like, I guess I'm the sucker then here because I'll go in on almost any sport and be like, oh, this is cool. It's back. What, what Even stuff I don't love. Like, I'm not a huge NBA fan. I, I love the Knicks and, well, as much as one can love the Knicks these days. And, you know, and I'll be like, I'll probably sit down and watch like the Lakers the first game because Anthony Davis and it's like the first thing. And I probably won't catch a game again for like, <laughs> you know, for like months. But it, it's see, I, I love do, I love the newness of it. And it just sort of starting and maybe I am the romantic. The, the, see, so you nailed it, though, that I, if I was a Laker fan, I would watch opening night because of Anthony Davis. When you have the new shiny toy, the new object, in this case, Matt Duchesne, mm-hmm. I think it's different. <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it's. If whether it's PK Subban or Matt Duchesne or anybody that that was coveted in the offseason, and you feel they can change the 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 organization, the program, or you think that that's the one guy that can put you over the hump, the anticipation is there. It's going to be there because you want to see that player, that particular player, or that particular coach in the uniform that you like. Um, so I, I can understand why people are excited tonight to see uh, Matt Duchesne. But it, it, it's, it doesn't matter, I mean, whether he plays. I mean, I guess I guess the thing is if he plays great, people are going to go out of their freaking mind. If he plays poorly, what are people going to say? Go out of I their mean, freaking mind. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> it's, it's the first game, and, you know, I I expect, you know, he might have a high, but then things level off, and he, get, he has to get used to the team, and then he kind of – becomes Matt Duchesne and do what he's been doing for the for for years. So I mean, I don't get excited for this stuff. I mean, it's oh, enjoyable. You guys are bums. It's enjoyable, um, but I don't get excited. I mean, well, I'm actually going to be I a guess. spectator for the first time ever tonight because my wife, myself, and my daughters are going. That's We've really got cool. four tickets, lower bowl, uh-huh. so I'll actually Dude, get a kids. chance to watch the first ever. Uh. Every time I've ever been to the arena for 21 months uh-huh. has been sitting in the media rows. Oh, next to, your kids you know, are going to love it, man. Next to Robbie Stanley and J- Jeremy Gover. Yeah, the, 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 listen, the kids are going to love it. A little upgrade tonight. Kids are going <laughs> to love it, man. Kids are – they will have an absolute blast. It's loud as heck in the beginning. So when they do the pregame video and the warm-up and all that stuff, like be, be prepared if, if the girls – now, I, your, your, your children don't strike me as two that get easily swayed by loud noises. I feel like – That is correct. I feel like the loud noises are more scared of the two girls <laughs> than, than the girls are. But my three, my almost three-year-old is terrified of the loud sounds at the beginning. So she loves the game itself but not the opening stuff because she's still a little small for that. But your kids are going to have an absolute blast. I can't believe I'm the cheesy romantic who just loves opening day on baseball. I romanticized it as a kid. I'm genuinely excited about hockey being back and, and game. Again, I did ask. Now, we were told by Jeremy Pruitt that we can overreact on Mondays and Thursdays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. David Poyle and Brian Poyle last night on Smashville Live, by the way, the show debuted. Uh, they gave me permission to overreact on Friday. 
So we have, as a show, been given personal permission by David Poyle to overreact on Friday morning. Okay. So if they Either go way. if they go over four on the power play, we can scream bloody murder on Friday morning if we have. To. Yeah, don't be calling on our show and talking trash either. <laughs> he gave us permission he for us, us to overreact. So anybody, y'all heard it today. So if we overreact because they don't score on a power play, do not call into the show. And bitching and moaning <laughs> about us going off well, because they gave permission to overreact either way. So now we've got all five days on lock yes. because Jeremy Pruitt gave us four and then David Poyle gave us Friday. So, <laughs> so we're good now to overreact on every single day of the week if we so choose. I guess I'm the sucker here. I always tell you guys, don't take the bait, but I'm the sucker here. Well, I mean, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in, in to, love with first night see, sporting I'm in, events. I'm in tonight because of Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they didn't bring in Matt Duchesne and it was status quo, same roster, anticipation level would be lower for me. But the combination yeah. of Duchesne yeah. plus going with the family tonight has got me all jacked up. Yeah, and that's a, like, so my favorite teams outside of the Predators, I can't go see, right? Like, I can't go see the Packers or the Knicks or the, or the Mets. Like in, on an opening night situation, but in baseball, for whatever reason, baseball has a very romantic sort of view of opening night, opening day, opening weekend. Like kids used to take days off school, and Cincinnati always hosted the first game at eleven a.m. or whatever. Like it, there's always this, for whatever reason, baseball has more sort of um, you know historical romanticism around the opening opening day. It's called opening day. It's not really called that in the NBA or the NHL or NFL. Um, opening weekend of college football, of course, is one of the greatest weekends of the year. Um, you know, I, I you know opening round of the Masters, I consider the start of the season. I know you're a hardcore golf fan, Nick, and you wouldn't consider it that. I don't know. I just think it's fun. It's great. It's really fun to have a, a sports back and rolling again. We're adding new things to the sports calendar, NBA, NHL. Um, I, I don't know. I just I, I get excited. I don't, I don't overreact to anything though. Like I'm not. Oh, I'm excited. I, I, I bet on the Washington Capitals last night. <laughs> Opening night of NHL what? hockey, and I you took won, the Capitals. Huh? And what? I won in overtime. What are you doing? But by the way, speaking of overreactions, I'm going to uh-huh. bang this drum repeatedly, and I started it last night because I knew the doubleheader was on NBC uh-huh. for the NHL opener. No shots on goal. <laughs> no shots on goal graphics. They didn't listen to me all off season. I sent letters. I sent emails. Wait, wait, wait. I sent telegrams to all the suits in New York City. There's your said, problem. Give me an SOG graphic. You needed to send a, an Instagram DM. That's what would have gotten through. Not, not, not these telegraphs. I thought you were talking about a son of a gram. <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about a shot on a goal, baby. But no, they can put up face-offs one because that's really important, but not shots on goal. But I digress. <laughs> you can go to your phone and see that, man. See, I shouldn't have to. You have That's a web, but you have a, the, but yeah, you the, have it. In, you have everything up, and, and while you're watching the game, yeah, and you right? have no, you have no excuses because you just you're like a tweetaholic during sporting, yeah, so sporting you events. Know so you all have stuff, it. Man. You have the access. <laughs> all right. So again, if you want to register to win a pair of tickets for the Preds opener tonight, stop on out, see us at Pete and Terry's Tavern here at Bridgestone Arena. We will, of course, be here all show long until ten o'clock. We will announce a winner. Coming up at 9.45 this morning. 615-737-1025, the number. We will come back. Uh, it looks like one man will start the year on the second line. And I'm not sure I understand why. We're back after this live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Nick Braden and D-Mace on ESPN 1025 again. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. We are live this morning out of Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise away from the wholesaling studio powered by RumbleOn.com. So it looks like this will be a season opener tonight where Philip Forsberg 
uh, starts on the second line. Some of the lines yesterday at practice, according to Thomas Willis, had Craig Smith on the first line with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson, uh, Philip Forsberg on that second line with Grandland and Duchesne, which would mean Kyle Turris on the third line. And when we were discussing Kyle Turris a few days ago, going up to the first line to kind of bust him out and breaking up the Jofa line, I was of the belief that it's a mistake. I don't want to see the best thing, that my best-known offensive commodity, Jofa, being broken up. But I at least understand why, because they're trying to extract right. all the juice they can out of $6 million man Kyle Turris. That being said, what I'm trying to figure out, and you did Smashville Live last night, what exactly do you gain by putting Craig Smith on the first line? Well, Craig Smith right now is a better player than Kyle Turris. Um, right now, he's a more consistent goal scorer. Right now, he's a far more proven commodity. You, you, you've, he's played the fifth most amount of hockey games in the history of the Predators franchise. There's probably no player on that team outside of Arvidsson and Colton Sissons, who you sort of are as consistent as it gets from shift to shift. You know what you're getting out of Craig Smith. So e- either way, I, I don't think it it matters. When you have Johansson and Arvidsson, you're going to have a good first line. Whoever the whoever the, that third winger is, whether it turns out to be Turris or Smith or however many minutes they play. Um, what I think, and talking to David Poyle and, and Brian Poyle last night about this, and, and they seem on board as well, is that Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlund is so appealing to them as a second-line scoring unit that it almost doesn't matter. I mean, it, it does, but it, it, the idea that they can get an almost equally as talented scoring line at, at, on their second line for the first time ever in franchise history, because now if you have Forsberg, Duchesne, you're talking about your highest-paid offensive player tied with Johansson at $8 million, and you're probably your best overall offensive talent together on a line, and that's not Arvidsson and Johansson. So it gives them two stronger lines, a combination of two good lines more so than they've ever had before. David Poyle last night said he hopes to see that line left together for a little while. Let, you know, He's not telling Peter LaVille what to do, but it sounded like you know, he's like, man, I, I hope to see that line play an extended period, give it a chance to grow together and see what it could be like because I think what they feel is – we know Joe is one of the best lines in the NHL when they're together, but there's no secondary scoring right now. There hasn't, there wasn't in the playoffs. There wasn't last year. And if they can have two great lines instead of one elite line, they feel much better about the depth and the scoring there. And I, I tend to agree. I, I think a Grandland Forsberg Duchesne line is is basically a first line. It oh fun- yeah, I'm not it disputing like a that, first line. that that line's ability. I just don't understand. Like if you bring in Matt Duchesne. That was the point. Like, right. you want to improve your second line. So alone, let's just say they left Jofa alone. You have a new second line this year of Duchesne, Grandlin, who's now got his feet wet here. Well, you know, he played 20-plus games last year, plus Craig Smith. I, I think just the addition of Duchesne makes your second line better. Sure. I, I'm not, that, that's why I don't understand why you're so all in with Duchesne and Forsberg. Well, they, they like the way the two of them play together first. Um, but I, I think, again... Do you want to put your three best guys on one line, or do you want to break it up and have two on one line and two on another? Like, if Duchesne is the only star on that second line and Kyle Turris doesn't work out or Craig Smith isn't fit well with him for whatever reason, or, you know, there's a greater, there's a greater chance of risk that your second line still doesn't deliver, even though you've paid all that money for Duchesne. You're guaranteeing the second line delivering when you drop Forsberg down. So, again, it's, you know, we know Lavi changes things from period to period. This is not something that he's going to necessarily 
want to do in even November, much right. less much much less March or February. So um, I, I think the the feeling is they're going to see how it plays, see how it goes. We know Lobby's going to tinker with stuff throughout the course of the year. Um, I, I think you know for the sake of tonight, I don't think like you know we joke about overreaction. We're, we're not going to overreact too much to tomorrow and. You know, if Duchesne's line is held out of the scoring sheet tonight, I don't think people are going to really. It's not, you know, it's one game, but um, I think it makes sense. I think the strategy makes sense because you can, again, you can always go back to Jofa when when you need it in a time of a need. If one of those guys gets hurt, you know, Duchesne, God forbid, or whoever else, you can always go back to Jofa. So I think I think it makes a little sense. And again, you could argue Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlin. You could argue might be a better line than Johansson, Arvidsson, and Smith. It, it might be your de facto first line, really. And mm-hmm. so that gives you two first lines in theory. You guys want a uh, prediction right out of the gate here on opening day before 6.30 on a Thursday morning? You guys want it? I'll give it to you right now if you want it. But you got to ask nicely. Would you rather us, Derek, would you rather us go helmet to helmet on you uh, or, or get a prediction from Nick at 6.20 on a Thursday morning? Oh, man. No. Is the prediction I, going to change throughout no, the day? No, this one, this one is completely locked in. Every hour it's new. Because I was, I was ready for some pucks and sticks last night, so I put out a bunch of predictions on Twitter. And you gambled on the Capitals. And I gambled on the Capitals, and I won. Okay, Connor, Connor McDavid will win the Hart Trophy. Not a, not a surprise. Yeah, it's not a reacher. He's the odds-on favorite. Yeah. Jordan Bennington, my boy in St. Louis, ben, is going to win at Vesna. Bennington. Bennington. Uh, I got it. So he's going to... He's he's going to build on what he did last. That is year. correct. Oh. But he, that seems that seems that that one I'm not even close. Like I totally disagree with that one. That's fine. Him. Now here's the one that I think Preds fans will like, and I think there's a reason and motivation behind this. Roman Yossi is going to win the Norris Trophy this year. I looked at the odds to win the Norris Trophy. Mm-hmm. There's only five players with better odds, and the only guy seeking big time money. Long-term contract, <laughs> financial motivation is Roman Yossi. Lock it in today, Preds fans. Roman Yossi's winning the Norris Trophy. D- doesn't that entire theory that go out the window if they announce a contract like next week? Exactly. No, because then he wants to justify the big pay. No, you don't. This will be a great season. Is that, how athletes, is that how athletes work in the history of your life? They get paid and then work hey, harder? It's how I wanted to play. When Porth gave me seven figures, I said, you know, I'm going to prove you <laughs> prove your decision right. Uh, I need I need to – sorry, I'm not going to be around the rest of the show. I need to go because <laughs> I'm going to have to have a talk with management. Yes. <laughs> but Derek, Derek and I got to go. With <laughs> but what, what about – Derek you? and I got some stuff to uh, say. But what about that? Yossi, Norris Trophy, and – oh, by the way, the contract not done yet. Could, could he have his best season as a, as a predator? Yeah, I think that's – certainly a fair prediction i don't think that's a out on out on a limb kind of deal um i you know to to say that he is to say that any one particular player is going to win any one particular award is virtually impossible to predict it's just i mean like that's like saying i mean we, we know who the heisman favorites are uh-huh. before the season starts and we still don't know who's going to win the heisman like it's just it, it's just almost impossible to predict an award like that will will he be in the running will he be a top three candidate i think you know, he, he's entering. He's, he's still in his prime. He's the captain. He is one of the most talented defensemen in the NHL. I think it's a safe bet to say that he'll be in the mix. You know, he'd have to have his best season to win it, and, and it's certainly possible he could do that. But surprised, though, that there's there's no contract done yet because we thought it would happen at some point before the season began. Yeah, and I'm, I can't believe I'm agreeing with, with Jared Stillman. I think hell just froze over, but I it, it is a bigger story. Than, than I think even I'm anticipated or, or realized that, you know, I just assumed it would get done right around the, the, the July 1 deadline when they first could start negotiating. 
Uh, I just assumed it would get done before camp. It didn't. I just assumed it would get done before the start of the season. It hasn't. It does change the dynamic a little bit when you're negotiating a contract in the middle of the season and a trade deadline is approaching. You have a player who's, you know, if this team gets off to a really bad start and they're not a good team through the first two months and they're in sixth place in the Central Division and the trade deadline's approaching in February or whatever, uh, you know, is it... Are you going to risk Roman Yossi getting to free agency? I, I think it's a it's certainly an equation that David Poyle in the front office has to consider, and um, that's a complicated, more difficult, bigger story than I think we've we we kind of just all have assumed it would get done, uh, and it hasn't yet, and so we'll see. I think it's because of the other contracts that have been signed, and you know we always say, well, um, Poyle finds a way to get these guys to stay for less money take a sort of hometown discount and and stay here and be amongst the team because they feel comfortable. They love the city. They love the team. But as a player, when you start seeing all these huge contracts signed, then you start to say, listen, I understand the team thing and I understand loving Nashville, but I want to be paid on par with these other guys, you know? So I'm not going to sit here and take, you know, much less than I would get somewhere else because these guys are staying at their teams and they're they're not taking less or they're going to other teams and they're not taking less. So why should I? I've earned it and I should be paid as such. So, I mean, he's, he's one, he's their best player and they want him around. They will figure it out somehow, some way. Um, and but they're you, clearly not close right yeah. now. That's, then, uh, that's yeah. the concern. Like, if it's about that money you're talking about, uh-huh. right, like that he could get, I don't know, 11 somewhere else, exactly. and they're asking him to take eight and a half here. Yeah. I mean, they're clearly not close on money right now. It, Otherwise, the deal would be done. Yeah, no, you're right. And if that was indeed the case, say if, 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 if it was that big of a gap, then I'm telling you what the player is thinking. That's just total disrespect. You don't respect what I have done over the course of my years here that – that so you don't respect it so much so that you're offering me two million dollars less than what I would get in open market, maybe a, a five hundred thousand dollars less. I can work with that, right? But two million dollars less—that's just a total disrespect. I'm not saying that that that's, is happening, right, right. but I'm saying in in that scenario, that's I, how players kind of look at it. If you ask me to guess, um, educatedly, of course. Um, I would say the Preds are in the eight and a half, eight eight and a half million dollar range, and I would say Yossi is in the nine and a half, ten million dollar range. Is he so deserving about, of ten? I mean, I don't care what you pay him. But. You know, that would be that would put him near the top. I don't know where ten would put him behind Carlson and da- Dowdy and Carlson, the two highest paid defensemen in the NHL. He'd clearly be behind those guys. He would, I, I think, at ten, he'd be the third highest paid defenseman in the NHL. And, and, and in his mind, he think I that I warrant that he might be the third best yeah. defenseman in the NHL. So that might be worth it. Now the question is. What you know, and this is where David Poyle is so good. He's willing to give on other things, right? Whether it's no trade clauses or guaranteed money or you know other little things, bonus, signing bonuses, mm-hmm. things he hasn't done in the past. He's been willing to do that with Matt Duchesne and a few others to, to negotiate the deal. If if Yossi, you know, the other angle is sort of the Tom Brady thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, are you willing to take just a little bit less so we can put a better team around you? Um, because these contracts are guaranteed, and once uh-huh. you sign tourists for six million, he's there for six million, right? And so, the other—that's the other angle with this. You know, if if Kyle Turris gets off to a hot start and they move him, all of a sudden that's six million dollars off off the cap next year when Yossi's contract will kick in. It makes it a lot easier to say, yeah, Yossi, we'll give you the extra million, right? Mm-hmm. When if Turris's deal's off the books, so 
Um, there's a lot of space. Craig Smith's contract will be off the books. Mikhail Granlin will be off the books. They probably re-signed one of those two, probably not both of them. There's space to have the money. And, mm-hmm. and Floyd made this point yesterday, which I thought was really, really smart. If you think Roman Yossi is the reason you are going to win a cup, if he is the deciding factor, that's how important he is, give him the extra million dollars. Yes, I know. If you, if, you, like, if you think he's that good and he's top five defenseman and you can't win a cup without him, what? It's funny money. Uh, Give him the extra million bucks. Like, who cares at that point? Well, it's not funny money in hockey because you get it all. In well, football, well, right. it could be funny I just, money. I just mean yeah. it's not that, like, from a fan's perspective. Yeah, like, yeah. it's none of our money. Like, yeah. Give it to <laughs> him. You know, like, I mean, he's yeah. here. You see that in D-Mace's voice? Did you hear that? He picked the wrong sport. He's like, yeah, I should have played the NHL. All that yeah, money It's guaranteed. not funny money in the NHL or, or baseball or, or basketball. basketball. It ain't funny money. And, and, in, and in baseball... Like all you got to do is be able to be. If you're left-handed, you can throw 89 miles an hour over the plate. You're going to make like 11 million dollars a year. Like baseball money is stupid money. Mace, if you would have played in the NHL, would you have worn a heating pad in your uniform? <laughs> yeah, you damn right. <laughs> in your in your girdle. In your exactly. girdle. <laughs> Boy, Derek put a lot of weight on in the back end this year. Yeah, it's Derek, just the heating. Derek pad. got that booty. <laughs> <laughs> I just a heat pad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Actually, my rump is just a little chilly on the ice, guys. So six one five seven three. 1025 the number if you want to get in. We will come back. Oh, by the way, this morning, re- the return of coffee with the coach. Uh, Peter Laviolette will kick off the 730 segment with us one hour from now. Hal Gill at 930. Also, from a football standpoint today, we've got the D-Mace dissection of the All-22. That is coming up at 7 o'clock, and we will go behind enemy lines with the Buffalo Bills at 9 o'clock. But up next, did the quarterback troll all of Titans Nation yesterday. Oh, no. Back after this on Morning Drive. Anytime you bring back a Pro Bowl type player, that's going to help, no doubt. And, you know, I think when it comes down to it, just through the few meetings and just what we've been through these first few hours with him, he's excited. And he, you can tell that he's got a little juice to him. And I think uh, when you bring that type of player into the, the offense with, with some juice and excitement, it's going to kind of carry that over to other guys as well. Oh yes! <laughs> Welcome back in. Do you think he was? He knew what he I was doing. Think he was. At first, I think at first, when he said he didn't know what he was doing, but then he heard himself and said, "Juice, oh, let me, yeah, let me go with it." All right. So that, that was Marcus Mariota yesterday saying, "Tear little one's got a little juice got a to little him." Juice to him. <laughs> I don't. Okay, so we all know Marcus well enough to know that that wasn't on purpose. He delivered it straight face. That, that, right. That he he just is sort of talking, right? Like he doesn't mean to do it. Now, if he had pre-scripted that. <laughs> uh, That's great, though. <laughs> I, like like I want to stand up and give him a, like a standing ovation and be like, way to go, dude. Because you got sacked 17 times and now you got a guy with some juice to him coming into the lineup. <laughs> I mean, as soon yeah, as I saw he's him, not, he's literally not, some but, juice in him. But your tease, though, it's I don't think he, if, that, if that is in case trolling, he's not trolling Titans fans at all. He's trolling his left tackle. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's saying, I got sacked 17 times, bro. Where you been? Yeah. That's what I would think. And that's not Marcus either. So it, it's, it seems like a, just a bad choice of words. <laughs> but it's a damn stuff. funny one. Dude, it was a lot. And, and you're watching the video of him, and he's dead serious. And then he goes back to it a second time. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't have juice to him. He's got juice in him. Can, can, can we Injected. Listen, can we listen to it again? Oh Marquise, can we hear it again? Juice. Anytime you bring back a Pro Bowl-type player, that's going to help, no doubt. 
And, you know, I think when it comes down to it, just through the few meetings and just what we've been through these first few hours with him, he's excited. And he, you can tell that he's got a little juice to him. And I think uh, when you bring that type of player into the, the offense with, with some juice and excitement, it's going to kind of carry that over to other guys as well. I'm I don't sorry, want that to stupid. be carrying over no guys. It's, it's so stupid and it's not fair, but damn, it is funny. Oh, man. Um, you know, here's the thing, and here's an honest question about Marcus because he's so sort of like pure, if that's the right word for it. Do, do you think he even knows that that's a, a, a like a slang term for steroids? Like, I think I, he does. I would. Yeah, I, I, would I think, think so. he does. I, I think he does too. I'm just. I'm. I'm saying, knowing his, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't though. Now you, know, you know what I mean? As like much as, as steroids has been but going this around, this guy who doesn't drink, like he, you know what I mean? Because like he, he doesn't drink doesn't mean he's oblivious of what's going on in I the know, world. I'm just, I'm oh. just, I'm just saying he's, you know, I, I, I would. But that was funny. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't think that that's a phrase at all. And I certainly don't think he did it on purpose, but oh my God, is it good. The, the, there was also a video of him yesterday going around on a couple of the different, I don't know if it was the Music City Miracles SB Nation Titans blog or, or somebody, I can't give the proper credit because I'm drawing a blank on who it was, <laughs> but there was a video of him getting in Ben Jones's face last mm-hmm. week in the game. So forget the trolling and making comments about the juice. Marcus, and he was pretty demonstrative. I mean, he looked like he was chewing out Ben Jones post-play on the field. Is that a sign of something that we want to see? Because we've talked about Marcus maybe showing more of that, hey, I need you to do your freaking job. Well, I think Marcus, because I think this this misconception, oh, Marcus doesn't you know, look at the newspaper. Marcus doesn't hear the chatter that's going on. You live in the city, you hear the chatter. All players hear chatter. It doesn't matter who it is. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. But we know Taylor Lewan listens to the Taylor Lewan. It could be everybody. Everybody hears the chatter, especially as it starts to get louder and louder and louder. And you know your play has been up and down and things are people are questioning your leadership from a from a, you know, getting that guy standpoint. Um and and, and he hears that. And, you know, but that's something I think every quarterback has to have the goals to be able to do. No, no pun intended, Braden. Uh, <laughs> but have the you have the, multiple goals. Yeah, multiple goals to be able to do. <laughs> you have to have a. You have to feel you have enough cash in that locker room that they respect you enough yeah. that you can go up to a guy if he's doing wrong, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. You say, "Hey, listen, we need you to do this." No, that was the wrong call. I needed to be in this play and say what you need to say and move on. If you feel as a lead, one of the leaders you can't do that, then you're not one of the leaders and your team is not as strong as what you, your team is not as strong as what we may believe it is. Um it's good to see Marcus doing that. Uh, and it doesn't need to be every play or every game. But he does every once in a while. He does need to stand up and say, "Listen, if you're doing, if you're not doing what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to tell you, and then we're going to move on." But in order for us to get this thing right on offense, everybody—it's not like defense where one guy can mess up and get a sack. One guy mess up, I'm getting sacked. So yeah. Ben Jones or whoever else is on this offensive line, do your damn job. Let's go. You know, he should be able to do that. Our buddy Corey Curtis, who filled in yesterday on the show with you, D-Mace, put out a tweet uh, two days ago. Marcus Mariota has five pass plays over 40 yards 
in 2018. So last year, the whole season, five plays of over 40 yards. Hell, AJ's got three already. Exactly. Through uh, so through four games this year, he already has five in 2019. That is second in the league to only. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And, and his stat line right now, if, if you're talking about efficiency, yards per attempt, quarterback rating, touchdown interception ratio, all the major metrics with which you measure him, he's on par with the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Now, we know he's not played as good as that, but Tom Brady get, had 21 incompletions last week mm-hmm. against the Bills defense. So I, I think you know the way he has played statistically, I, his offensive line has been a huge problem. It got much better last week against Atlanta. Now you'd assume it's even better with a second day, a second game of experience for Nate Davis and Taylor Lewan coming back. So the hope is, again, I don't think anyone thinks that it's fixed and it's going to be a strength of the team, but it is certainly going to be better and continue to get better, and it's going to have to play well against Buffalo. So the key is, is can Marcus play within himself, protect the football, not not turn the ball over? and score just enough points and let the defense do its job this weekend. And, and I think all those things are very, very possible. And I think he can absolutely do that because he's shown us through four games that, you know, this offense right now, and, and I think the only turnover this team has had the entire year was on a punt, mm-hmm. a Dory Jackson's fumble. So this offense is the only team in the NFL that hasn't turned the ball over one time. So they've shown us that they – now, of course, I just jinxed them, but, like, they're they have – like, three. Yeah, now they're going to have, like, three. <laughs> but they have, they've done a very good job of protecting the football. And so – I think most people believe that if they do that again, they can get through this game, and then you move on and you go Denver and you, you keep going, and all of a sudden you've stacked a few wins on top of each other, and maybe you're back in the race for the division. But he, here's what I would love to know about that stat with Marcus mm-hmm. being only second to Patrick Mahomes for 40-yard pass plays. How many of Marcus's are shorter passes where the receiver turned up field and made a big play after the catch, whereas Mahomes – might be throwing it much more vertical down the field and having less yards after the catch. From the well, receiver. it's obviously it's the, the Derrick Henry's screenplay, the uh, A.J. Brown's, like the, 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 the quick like end. The 14, it, was like a, it was like a 14-yard pass. A, yeah. yeah, somewhere t- in between 12 and 14, he did the rest. Same, th- same thing um, with the one against Atlanta. A.J. Brown's was a 12-yard 12, 12 completion. So new, um, Kansas City throws the ball down the field and make plays. The Titans have been able to throw it in immediate and then guys run after the catch. Um, that's the big difference. But, you know, either way, but that's no, no matter how no matter up. how you how you get at it, it's a chunk play, it's an explosive play. That's yeah. what teams want. That's what offenses, you know, they 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 crave the big play because it, it that allows you to move the ball down the field in less time. You don't have to methodically move it. If you got to methodically move the ball down the field as defenses want you to do, they expect you to eventually make a mistake. But if you get these big chunk plays, that means the less mistakes I am going to make as an offense. If I can get a 40-yard play, I start at if I'm starting at the 30, I get a 40-yard play. Now I'm on the other, you know, on the other side of the 30 almost. Yep. And now I have what I got really Four, six downs to get in the end zone, really? Yeah, I also don't think it's fair um, when you have Andy Reid's scheme, Patrick Mahomes' arm, and the talent that the Chiefs have at receiver. I'm not sure there's many quarterbacks in the NFL, I would say. And they're say. missing their best player. And Tyree Kills is not available. I, but I would say to almost every quarterback in the NFL, with the exception of the you know the HOFers, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not sure you can compare anybody's vertical passing game to the Chiefs' passing game because you have the coach, you have the quarterback with the, with the arm talent, 
And, you, and listen, Sammy Watkins can go deep. Yeah. Michael Hardman made a huge play last week on like a 70-yard play. Travis Kelsey is one of the only tight ends that can create big they plays have, down the field. They've got – that's their offense. And so Titans' offense isn't built like that. They have three guys that run four fours. I mean, legit four fours and better on Kansas City's roster. The Titans don't have that. Um, I don't think they have one guy that can legitimately line up and run a four-four flat. Yeah, they might but but what they do have, they make up is they got big body guys that when they do catch the ball, it's very difficult to to um, to tackle. Like I broke down all twenty two, and one of my plays is Corey Davis catching a short route, turning it up, not the touchdown, but it was a one before that early mm-hmm. on in the game, catches it third, and you know, 15 or whatever. It, I don't even think it was – it wasn't that when it was the first down play. He catches it at five yards, and he breaks a tackle and gets another eight yards. They play Stuff more like, like tight ends almost. Yeah. Like Brown and Davis both can run like a tight end once they catch them. They're, 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 they're physical. physical. Yeah, yeah, the physical nature of them. The D-Mace dissection of the All-22 is coming up at the top of the hour. Don't forget, stop on out. We are live this morning, Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena. Your chance to register to win a pair of tickets to tonight's season opener, home opener. If you want to go see Matt Duchesne tonight, stop on out. Register to win tickets between now and right around 9.30 or so. We'll draw a winner randomly at 9.45. Announce the winner. You don't need to be here for the announcement. You can pick up your tickets tonight at Will Call. And, uh, by the way, free breakfast, courtesy of Dunkin' Donuts, donuts and coffee. <laughs> yeah, go to break. I'm about to get over there. If you want to stop on out. So uh, we will come back, continue on with the conversation on the Titans, and then the D-Mace dissection. Top of the hour. Stay there. We're live here on a Thursday at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. It is morning drive with the loudest return music in the history of return musics. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring that down a little bit back there, Hollywood. I mean, that ain't me, man. I morning. mean, you like your you know, headsets loud. So. Yeah, that's true. You can't complain about volume. You're, you're, very, you're like, I'm worried about your eardrums. Meanwhile, back on the ranch <laughs> here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Uh, by the way, happy hour special today from 3 to 6 p.m., $5 domestic drafts, $6 craft drafts, and a $7 specialty cocktail. So I would think that would include, um, you know, my guys at Tito's, but... Uh, I digress. Let me ask you guys this question. I saw this yesterday. And, I, 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 you know, we get through a quarter point of the NFL season and you start to wonder what's real and what's not, uh-huh. both, both good and bad. Marcus Mariota has a top ten quarterback rating through the first four games. And the Tennessee Titans defense are top five in, the, uh, in sacks in the NFL with 13. Harold Landry leads the way with three. Uh-huh. What is more real right now? Marcus, top ten quarterback, Dean P's pass rush, top five. Um, I think the pass rush is more real um, to me. I think the the Marcus Mariota. You just got to look beside beside the um, Jacksonville game and look at their opponents. Um, Indy's pretty good. Indy's good at defense. Uh, but the other, I mean, Atlanta's horrible. Uh, Cleveland, they were still figuring things out. I think they will eventually be a really good defense. Um, but the Titans were able to do some things against both of those teams. Now, Jacksonville, they had a hard time in moving the ball until the end of the game. toward the toward, Well, the second half, let's just say that. And then they were able to do some things. Uh, but I think Dean Pease is, I think he's figured something out with his defense. Uh, and those young guys are starting to play like we thought they should be playing 
their second year. You know, Harold Landry, guys like that. And then adding Cameron Wake in the mix. I think it's the, the, the thing to me, it's, it's more sustainable is the defense pass rush because I trust that Dean Pease is going to drop something to get to the quarterback. Now, they could have had more sacks now. Oh, yeah, Even they, with that, they could have had more they sacks. They could have had two or three exactly. that they didn't have. That they just let the Gardner, they had Gardner Mitchell. If you, yeah. They could have had more sacks than they do now. So to me, the thing that's going, going to, the, the more believable stat is the defense. I, you know, I think if you said Marcus finished top ten in quarterback rating, uh, you know, I could see that happening. I agree with you, Derek. The, the top five in sacks is the more truer indication of where they're located. Um, but, you know, Marcus is quarterback. It doesn't mean Marcus wins games. It doesn't mean he doesn't get hurt. It doesn't mean he doesn't miss throw. Like, the quarterback rating is but sort you're, of – But you're, you're a stats guy. You well, know the big quarterback I, rating I, I, guy? You know, rating is it, – it's, it's the all-encompassing how – Good, how good are you at throwing and how efficient are you? Because it takes all of the numbers into account. But it's not an end-all, be-all. It's not, you know, it, it, I, I, you have to take all different stats to mean all different things. You know, the, the idea, you know, for example, against Atlanta in the first half, Derrick Henry was touching the ball. I think he touched the ball seven times, and he had 2.7 yards per carry. Every time Marcus threw the ball, they were throwing it for like 9.9 yards per, per attempt. So that's the efficiency type of number I care about. If I'm a, if I'm watching a game and I'm looking at what Arthur Smith is deciding to do, I would say every time you throw the ball, you're picking up a first down. Every time you're running the ball, you're getting less than three yards. You need to continue to throw the ball. And they did that until they had a good enough lead that they can kind of sit on people, play great defense. That is also where the pass rush, the, the one number, the one angle on the pass rush we have to address is – They've been able to pin their ears back and come after quarterbacks who were chasing big leads in the fourth quarter twice. Cleveland and Atlanta, we we knew they had to throw the football, and we knew they were going to throw it because they had a two-touchdown, three-touchdown lead in both games. And and so they were. that is when Cameron Wake becomes such a dangerous weapon because when you say on second and third down, you just get to just turn him loose, maybe even first down too. That, like his snap count went up against Atlanta, right? He went back up from 14, I think, to 24 snaps. So... Um, the pass rush has had two games where they've had a perfect situation to to print. Pit. Kenny Vaccaro was excellent on the blitz against Atlanta, um, coming out of the secondary. So, I, I think they both could be true at the end of the year. If this team wants to win, both probably need to be true at the end of the year. Um, and both are big swings back from where they were last year, which is a huge positive. Now, if the offensive line can fall into place, maybe they can rattle off a few wins. Let's, from the standpoint of Marcus, forget wins and losses. Let's just kind of prorate some of his numbers right now. Now, we know he's got zero interceptions. That's not going to last. But seven touchdowns through four games would prorate to be 28 touchdowns, which would be a career high. So if he's 28 touchdowns to, let's just call it, seven interceptions. Yeah, five, six, seven. Yeah. I mean, a four-to-one I, I ratio. It would be his best statistical season in that, that those two categories. I don't know why. You know, right now his yards per attempt is, is the highest of his career. Um, his you know his completion percentage is down a little bit from last year, but Matt Lafleur's offense is a little bit more. But the rating is, is up. But the rating is up. So like again, I, you, you you know you always say Nick like stats they're important, but they're not the end all be all. Um, I, I don't. If, he's also on pace, I think, for like thirty four hundred yards, which would be close to his his career high. You know, if this is going to be a top five defense, and Derrick Henry's going to lead the AFC in rushing, rushing, and he's going to, and Marcus is going to set every single career high, I don't know how this team doesn't win nine or ten games and make the playoffs. I think all three can possibly be true the way 
the the team is trending at this point. The defense, we know, unless the bottom just falls out, meaning guys get hurt, this is going to be a top ten, top seven, six defense overall. Uh, if Marcus can, if 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 the run game continues to be what it is, um, and I know at times Derrick Henry gets stopped for one yard, two yards, but at the end of the game. Derrick Henry always ends up averaging four yards per carry. Leaning on people. And he's closer to the 100-yard mark than not. So if that is indeed the case, too, then that is the direct correlation to how how well Marcus does. Because in Atlanta, when, when, when the Falcons decided at the beginning of the game, you know what, Derrick Henry will not beat us, then I think Arthur Smith, they had two game plans. If Atlanta backs off and plays on, we're going to run Derrick Henry. If Atlanta decides to play man-to-man, which they did, and stack, stack the box, we are going to throw the football with play-action, quick pass. And I think they were leaning more so on the latter, and it happened. And they were able to expose Atlanta's awful defense. And then in the second half, I think Atlanta kind of changed, and then they start running the football again. Yeah. So as long as Der- – Derrick Henry is a direct correlation to how well the passing game does. It's not this, oh, we're going to throw to set up the run. It's always it's- we're going to run to set up the pass. And if Derrick Henry is efficient in his runs, then the passing game is going to be that much better. Speaking of Henry, our boy Corey Curtis tweeted this out a couple days ago. Derrick Henry, ninth in the NFL right now with 300 yards rushing through four games. He's on pace for 1,200 yeah. yards, but he doesn't have a 20-yard carry or more. Once he does break a few and has those explosive pop plays, it's going to be well over 1,200 well, yards. He's going to lead the AFC in rushing. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Now, here's the issue the last two games, and, and, I, don't, and I don't think it's an issue because, again, it worked against Atlanta in the second half, but he's had 44 carries in the last two games. That's a lot of carries, 3.2 yards a carry. So in his first two games, he didn't have as many yards – didn't have a 100-yard game, but he was averaging 5'4 four and 4'5. Four, He's up over four and a half yards a carry. Like we said in the preseason, he doesn't need 27 for 100 like he did against Atlanta. That, that, that game called for that, mm-hmm. and they stuck with it, and it worked great, and it was perfect. What you want is, you know, 18 carries for 90 yards where you're more in that five and a half, six, almost six yards a carry. You don't need to, to lean on him 30 times so that he's healthy at the end of the year. And, like, it – there's a there's a kind of a middle ground. You don't want to give him nine carries because then he doesn't get to do what Derrick Henry does. He he doesn't always need to have 27 because very few running backs get to 27 carries anymore in a game. But you know, 19 for 84, 15 for 82, which is his two stat lines in the first two games, five five yards a carry. That's that's all you can ever ask if for. If I'm back. if I'm the Titans, why do I care about giving him the ball less than 18 times? This is his last year in his contract. <laughs> Why do I care? I am giving the ball. If I got to give it to him 27 times, that's what I'm doing because I am win. I'm trying to win now. You're just gonna run. He him, might. Run yeah, him he ground. might not be here next year. No, he I might decide to I'm- leave. So, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, my goal is to how do I make Marcus as as efficient as possible? Well, the way I do that is run Derrick Henry, and if I got to give Derrick Henry the ball 25, 26 times or 20, 22 times a game, then that's what I'm doing right. because he might not even be here next Right, year. and I, yeah, I'm with you on that. But you you, talk, you talked about how bad the Atlanta defense is. Yeah. And, again, the, the first 7, 10, 12, 14 carries for Derrick Henry weren't very good against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't. And so it wasn't helping Marcus at all. It was after. It was once no, they it got No, it was the, helping Marcus. It, it was. was. It, that's true. It's bringing the people into yeah. the box. You're, you're right, strategically. But 
it, it wasn't producing the yards, and so Marcus had to do that through the arm, through the air, and they did that. And so it, we'll see how the game plays out. I think the game's going to be very different on Sunday. They're not going to be able to throw the ball off of that play action because that's a much better defense they're playing. Okay, so what stood out to number 85 on the All-22? Find out next. The D-Mace dissection as we kick off Hour 2 live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. And don't forget, stop on out, register to win tickets for tonight's season opener. And the donuts, the coffee, it's all here. It's all free. It's a morning drive, ESPN 1025 game.